Hi friends, welcome to episode 12 of Sally's Performing Arts Lab Podcast. I'm not the host, but Sally has asked me to introduce this for her. Sally Adams has taught people how to produce original work for the stage for over 30 years. If you go to sallypal.com, you'll find her blog as well as her podcast. You'll also find Sally Pal on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and many more. Thanks, George, and thanks to everyone who's been sharing the blog and the podcast. Today's episode is a little unusual. George has some directing questions, and I'm going to answer them, and I hope you can use some of the stuff I've learned over the years. Let's get started. Every day I gotta stop for a minute Think about how good my life is with you in it Every day I wanna stop and think about you Okay, I have a few questions, and I'm going to begin with this first question. What's the most important advice for a successful performing arts collaboration? I think the most important piece of advice I can give to directors is to communicate with your team. Even if you're doing a one-woman show, as Lisa Wilson talked about in episode seven, you still have a team. You might have a director if you're not directing yourself, and that's always really tricky. If I was gonna give you the short answer, communicate with your team. Keep the lines of communication open between you and the designers, between you and the producer, between you and the builders, between you and the costumer, between you and especially the actors, because the actors are the ones who are going to translate the work on the stage to the audience. If they are not performing the same vision, it's your vision that is being seen on stage. Of course, it begins with the playwright, but you could be the playwright and the director. Either way, you have a vision as well, and that's part of the collaborative process. But your actors will also have a vision, and if that doesn't fit, it's going to seem confusing to the audience. For instance, let's say you have a play that you are directing as a slapstick comedy, and you have an actor who's performing as though they are in a tragedy. Sometimes that will work. But for the most part, if your actors aren't on board with what you're doing, it's on you because you haven't communicated that to them. So communication, communication, communication. All right, next question. What's the best way for a beginning director to approach a work? This is a hard one. And I say the same thing to beginning playwrights. Start uh, small and keep it simple. K-I-S-S form, which is keep it simple and when you teach middle school, you can't say, keep it simple, stupid. So we say, keep it simple, Simon, which is a much nicer way to put it. Playwrights who don't go see a lot of live theater have stories that they've seen from TV and films where the action can move from location to location very quickly. Shakespeare does this as well, but Shakespeare can do it because there are no sets. And if that's your plan, then you have to be able to communicate to the audience, it's cold, or we're in a mountain, or we're on the water, whatever it is. You have to be able to do that without big set changes. There is an insider's joke about the musical, the sound of music that a lot of people who have directed the show refer to as the sound of moving furniture, because it is a show full of constant set changes. And if you do a show for realism, 
and you want to have those practical sets on stage, then your audience is going to have to sit back and wait for you to move the sets around. And if you do not have a big tech crew or uh, a means of moving those sets quickly, then you're going to have a big scrum fest and it's going to look terrible and your audience is going to no longer suspend their disbelief and they'll get bored and start looking at their phones and that's just the exact opposite of what you want. So I would say keep the script as simple as you possibly can. And the other thing you want to think about is keep the show small. You can have a chorus, a, a pretty solid chorus with six people. Keep it small, keep it simple. That is my very best advice for a beginning director and build from there and you'll grow and learn and eventually you will be able to put on your extravaganza. But don't start with that because that's going to be frustrating for everyone involved. The next question is, what's the most important thing for a director to remember? That's easy. Three things, really. The story, the story, the story. When you are putting a work on stage, you are telling a story to an audience or you're sharing a story. And in fact, your audience becomes the final collaborator because they interact with your story and it may be simply from involvement in their own minds and hearts, but you definitely want to focus on the story. What is the story about? Who is impacted by the story? And all stories are driven out of two places, love and fear. What do you want? What are you afraid of? Every acting coach will tell you this, and if you are watching a play, that's where you'll be coming from. You're either going to be scared for the people on stage, or you're going to be happy for them. If you're confused about the, the story that's on stage, that's only good in a mystery. So you really don't want to have your audience spend much time being confused. You really want them to be involved in the story by helping them understand whether they're supposed to be engaged with the character's fear or engaged with the character's desire. Next question, Sally. You often mention creating a safe space. What does that mean and how would you do that? Creating a safe space is essentially about creating a rehearsal environment where actors feel free to create and collaborate. If you as a director come in as a dictator and you say, this is how it has to be, and if you can't do what I have on my little list of ways that I have to block this show, then you can easily be replaced. And I've worked with some directors like that who are absolutists and are not interested in collaborating with their actors. But if you have good people people with creative minds who are acting in your plays, or singers who are engaged with the music, or dancers who have a fair bit of training, then you definitely want them to be your collaborators. And the only way to create a collaborative environment is to make sure that they know that they're invited to participate. For some participants, they're going to take that to mean that they are now the other director and they'll begin co-directing with you. So you have to be confident in your own position in that hierarchy, and it is a hierarchy, and that's a way to generate confidence as well, for them to know that you are sure of yourself as a director, and that you're sure of yourself as a storyteller, and that you have a vision. So even if you're pretending these things, pretend really, really hard, but at the same time, make the space feel comfortable for everyone where they are engaging in the work not comfortable in the way that people can come late or eat during rehearsal or 
any of the things that we would probably consider not terribly professional, but comfortable in that they are free to engage with the work along with you as collaborators. Okay, Sally, uh, next question. What do successful directors do that we can emulate? Well, I talked earlier about holding the vision, and I want to say a little bit more about that. Often you'll find that you'll have actors or dancers, less so in the dance world because the hierarchy is clearer, I think, in a dance environment. Say, for instance, you're in a rock and roll band and there's a, a lead singer who takes over and decides that they're going to revamp everything and, you know, you see movies about that. Well, the same thing happens on the stage. You will have someone who is the director, and I put that in quotes, and then you'll have someone who has a lot of performing experience who is in one of the lead roles, principal player. And that person often will take this creative, collaborative environment to mean that now they can take over and fix what the director is messing up. This is a great opportunity to express leadership and to communicate your vision. I actually had an experience like this many, many years ago when I was a fairly young director, when I was directing a pretty big show, and I can remember a running argument with the set designer. And the set designer had a lot of experience, and he really did know what he was doing. But he had made some assumptions about my lack of preparation that were off. I had done my preparation. I wanted him to like me. And that might have been my first mistake because what I really needed for him to do is to respect me in that position. And so he ramrodded a set design through that didn't fit with the vision I had for the show, but he had done it because he had decided what was going to be best for the show. And turns out that what he had designed was not workable. And so I asked him to change it and he was really unhappy about that. And finally, in a meeting with him, I said, look, here's my vision. Explained my vision to him. I showed him some of the thumbnail sketches that I'd gotten. I had done some and had a friend do some and talked to him about this. And at the end of it, he was still intransigent. And I had that opportunity to say, then you're fired. And that is not something you really ever want to be in the position of having to say to someone. However, he went back and he made some changes and he came back and he was nice as pie. And that's something interesting that I learned, was that you can make requests, you can even make demands if you're coming from a place of standing for the story and the vision of the show. And people will respect that. Yes, create a safe space. Yes, collaborate with your designers and your actors. But know when the time comes for your vision to be the outstanding vision. To say, it's time for us to stop discussing this and start actually performing. And I would say that's got to be two weeks out. That's not a hard and fast rule, but generally that's where all of the fun with trying out new things in the script has to stop and people have to get their cues. What is the unseen work in directing? Well, a, a good director will spend a lot of time with the script and talking to designers and other staff people before performers are even selected. So do your homework because solid front-end work saves time and creates confidence in your performers. If you are not willing to do the work at the front-end, and that means everything from annotating your script to doing some thumbnail sketches, it could be as simple as some stick figures, working with people who are more visual, who can sketch things out for you, talking to your designers about your overall vision, really working with the metaphors of the story, 
and knowing that story really well. That's the front end work that most people don't see. A lot of times people will see a director come in and be very relaxed and casual and think, well, this person hasn't even read the script yet. But reading the script is only the beginning of the process. And there is so much that goes on that actors never see. And you just have to accept that actors are going to assume that you and the actors are doing the same amount of work as far as the actors are concerned. They'll rarely think of the time that you spend late at night typing notes or weeks before the production annotating your script or discussing venues with your design team. There's just so much that goes into this directing process that people who are not doing what you're doing don't see because you're engaging with lots of different people, but you're rarely engaging with everyone involved all at one time. Finally, let me ask this. How can directors make an impact on an audience? Okay, so I'm going to start with this because for a lot of us, this is a difficult thing. Have a clear visual idea of the story you are telling. Design cohesion means paying attention to the details and honoring the work of your collaborators. So if you have a costume designer and you've shared with her your vision, let's say you're doing a show, a Christmas show. I, I did uh, Miracle on 34th Street years and years ago with a co-director who was fantastic. Her strengths were uh, choreography and visuals and my strengths are collaborating with actors and doing the script work. And so the two of us together made a really dynamic team and we were able to share these responsibilities. We had a really clear concept together that we discussed over and over again about telling a Christmas story. Well, that's kind of obvious. It's Miracle on 34th Street. Of course, it's a Christmas story. But we had two different levels to that Christmas story. We had a family story that was a period piece, and we had the overarching story. There was also a period piece, but it was more fantastic. Uh, and that story, the, the fantasy version of it, every time we had crowds involved, we dressed them in colors of red and green, and we had elements of the holiday season all around. We ended up having scenes where they were all dressed in red and green. It made such a vivid impact in those scenes where you wanted the audience to really get the flavor of Christmas, that the visuals of the story told the story as potently as any text. So talk to your designers. Talk to your set designers, your prop designers, your costume designers. And if that's you and your friends, then sit around discussing it. Talk about how those visuals can impact the story. If you have a small stage and a small cast, you can tell a visually impactful story. So consider how to use your visuals to tell the story. Things like levels become very important because levels tell you a lot about who's dominant on the stage. Use things like arcs in your movement rather than having people do a straight line across the downstage area or the upstage area. Use an arc to move. Characters can crawl, they can run, they can leap. Dancers understand this innately and use it to great effect. But actors can as well. An actor can use voice, face, body, and space to visually impact a story. So the visual impact is a part of theater that sometimes is forgotten and also sometimes is overdone. But remember that light travels faster than sound. So your audience will see something before they hear it. If you want them to notice a character on stage, have them move before they speak 
and your audience's eye will go directly to that actor. And now it's time for concise advice from the interview. A short version of tips on directing. Today, I have seven bits of advice for directors. Number seven, communicate with your team. Number six, start small and keep it simple. Number five, the story, the story, the story. Number four, create a rehearsal environment where actors feel free to create and collaborate. Number three, spend a lot of time with the script before you do anything else. Number two, have a clear visual notion of the story you are telling. And the number one piece of advice for directors, do your homework. That's it for concise advice from the interview. Next week, I'll be interviewing poet Sheila Black. Thanks again for listening. I'm Sally, and this is Sally Pal. The P-A-L in Pal stands for Performing Arts Lab. Be sure to check out my blog for articles and podcast episodes. It's sallypal.com. Also, keep sharing. The number of downloads is rising all the time thanks to you. You can find the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you use a podcast platform that does not carry Sally Pal, let me know and I'll see if I can change that. Of course, you can always find the blog and the podcast on my website, sallypal.com. Look for my posts on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, and LinkedIn. If you like Sally Pal, find a like button and press it! Don't ask me where it is, just do it! And if you really like it, download and share the podcast, or the blog, or both. A new podcast goes out every Monday evening. Now I have just one bit of wisdom from George, my husband, the coolest guy on the planet. George, what's your wisdom for today? Perfection is not attainable, but if you chase perfection, you can catch excellence. Well said, George. Well said. Excellent advice indeed. Remember, all the performances you've ever seen on stage once only lived in someone's imagination. Now, it's your turn. Thanks so much for listening. There's no advertising budget, just like and share buttons and the all-powerful download. Sally Pal episodes are posted on Monday evenings, so spread the word. Remember to tune in next week for my interview with poet Sheila Black. I want to help you learn to produce and direct original shows. It's what I do, and you can too.
<laughs> Providing the Foley sound for this week's episode. Yay! I did it all! I am neither spectacular nor a triple threat. Not so easy, is it? <laughs> Maybe one with a little more enthusiasm. Well, <laughs> Once more with feeling. Can you edit that? You didn't mean, do I want to? <laughs> no, I meant do another. <laughs> <laughs>